This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Brian Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, we are, uh, we're talking about Christian leadership this week, and so I thought a good, a good little opening question is, who, who are some Christian leaders that, that you look up to, oh, that you aspire to be like? He didn't even give me a heads up about this. Nope, I didn't. Wow. Man, uh, so Christian leaders that I would aspire to be like? Yeah, that have, or that have been influential to mm. you? or Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, you know, first one that comes to mind is the late, great Tim Keller. Yep. Dr. Timothy Keller uh, passed away this year. Uh, but uh, Tim Keller was pastor in New York City. Uh, hard place to, to live and pastor and plant a church, but he did successfully. Uh, so I think his tone and tenor... Um, would be one to, I would emulate, uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, a professor uh, of mine who was, who's now, uh, uh, at Christianity Today, Dr. Russell Moore would be one. Um, but then I think of, of preachers like, uh, Matt Chandler or, uh, um, mm-hmm. from Texas, the great state of Texas, from the great state of Texas. Is he from, I, guess I don't know if he's I from Texas, but, there now. uh, Ray Ortland. Mm-hmm. That's what we both say. Um, yeah, those are the guys that come to my mind immediately. Uh, what about you? Yeah, uh, of the ones of the ones you've not said. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I think pastorally, I think of someone like Herschel York, who's also a, a professor at, yeah. at Southern, where you went, where I'm going. Um, I just want to imitate his voice. His voice. Really. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do a pretty good impression, but I'm, I won't. I won't do it on the podcast. Oh, I man. won't. Pu- I won't put it in the ether there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've heard him talk a couple of times. Just very similar to similarly to what you said about Keller's. Very pastoral mm-hmm. from his tone. Um, a very clear care for his church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's that's really admirable. I mean, obviously Ray Ortland is my 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 numero uno. Your hero, um, yeah, yeah. It's like in 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 preaching and in uh, encouragement mm-hmm. and in you know just about everything. He's 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 up there. Uh, but I also think you know people like you, people like Brady, uh, our mutual friend who was my youth pastor. I mean, my I roommate think, in college. Yeah, your roommate in college. I think I've had a lot of good personal Christian leadership yeah, in my yeah. life. Yeah, that uh, that is is. Uh, that gives me aspiration. Yeah, gives me encouragement. Well, uh, you know, my one of my last points in the sermon was about being an example, and but but one of the most influential kind of times in my life when I was still in high school, I had the privilege of having a mentor, and so mm-hmm. uh, our worship pastor at the time kind of became this mentor in my life. Where and it was a very official sort of like thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like you know I looked up to him. It was like this very covenanted thing together. Yeah. And so he was investing in me, pouring into me. Um, you know, we, I was confessing sin to him. We mm-hmm. were walking through things. And so both him modeling for me as well as just investing in me from a leadership perspective was invaluable and changed my life forever. Yeah. So Well, I just thought it would be good, a good way to start to say, yeah. Hey, you know, we're talking about Christian leadership from the sermon this week. And so what are, you know, what, what, what are things we admire? Who are people we admire as, as Christian leaders? And so, you know, one thing I said at the beginning of the sermon that probably bears repeating here is it in our technological age where, you know, if the algorithm for you gives you like kind of Christian snippets, Mm -hmm. you know, little snippets of sermons or talks or whatever, um, you know, I think we've got to be really on guard because uh, what the algorithm and what we ease more easily want Mm -hmm. is the, the polish, the Mm -hmm. thing that sounds good, the Mm -hmm. thing that, you know, resonates with us. Like, like talent could come across as, as the best Wisdom. thing. Yeah. Uh, and that person may really like character mm-hmm. or really not know what they're talking about, but they sound good. And so we just got to be really careful judging, you know, the sermon this week is a lot about, we have to judge insiders. We've mm-hmm. got to judge whether or not this is uh, good or not mm-hmm. helpful, true. Um, and uh, not just evaluate it based on it sounds good or it's polished yeah. or this guy's a good communicator. And it's just always going to be. I think it's. I think it's prudent to say it's always going to be more valuable to have Christian leaders that know you mm-hmm. and can speak into your life specifically. Yeah, and that's more beneficial than 
someone who's speaking generically to a mm-hmm. YouTube audience or to their, even a, a church that you're not in. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's good. I listen to sermons from, yeah. uh, from churches that, that I don't go to. Right. But, uh, not in the same, at the same level in which yeah. I listen to a sermon delivered at our church. Right. Cause right. that's to me. Right. Right. Whereas yeah, the yeah. other one is not. Yeah, for sure. So that's, I think that's wise. Well, let's, let's start here. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, Christian leaders, we, 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 we want to emulate that we respect. Um, but we are in a time and, and me and you talked about this a little bit throughout the week as you prepared for the sermon in this sort of institutional credibility crisis, right? Where people are, uh, I think because of the fall, naturally human beings are mm-hmm. distrustful yeah. of institutions. I think it's our, our bent, right? It's mm-hmm. in our DNA to mm-hmm. not trust. We want to be in charge. Therefore, we don't trust yeah. when someone else is in charge. But at this moment, particularly in America, in the, the West, mm-hmm. there is a large, overwhelming skepticism mm-hmm. of institutions, of the church, of the government, of the police, yeah. uh, of politicians, you know, all of those things. So let's talk about that a little bit, the, the credibility crisis the, yeah. um, and, and what that does as we go into talking about the sermon, how, how that changes or influences how we think about Christian leadership. Yeah. I think you're right to say that it's not new. You know, I think about, uh, I think I talked about this in a sermon a while back, but you know, there was a, a Roman that assassinated the, 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 the current, what do you call the chief guy? Uh, like the, the head, head honcho in Rome. What was it? What? Uh, emperor? Yeah, that's the one. No, yeah, I was like, it's not king. <laughs> like in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like you know, they're getting they're assassinating him. I think even about the American Revolution. It's like you know when. Oh yeah, when, I, thought, I thought it was an excellent point in your sermon. It's like we're a country birthed from anti-institutionalism. Oh yeah, and yeah. even after it starts, it's like no one t- like the other side didn't touch trust Thomas Jefferson or John Adams. <laughs> like no one trusts John Adams after he got in and messed yeah. up a few things. And so this is not new, but it does feel. For us, like you said, very visceral and very, mm-hmm. I think 2020, like really exasperated and highlighted mm-hmm. those things. Um, and so, you know, I, in 2020, it's like for two weeks, we all trusted each other. <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, uh, two weeks to slow the curve. We were all together. It was great unity in the country. And then after that, it all went yeah, nutty. And, and, and it's like, you know, no one's trusting anyone, whether it's about masks or vaccine or... Um, the, the the police stuff in 2020 right mm-hmm. and, the, and, and so we, we all look back and you know the people on different sides of those conversations but either way we don't we just don't trust people mm-hmm. um and so what does that do <laughs> well you now you don't know who to listen to you don't know who to believe you don't know um if someone's ever telling you the truth or if they're just spinning it for their agenda mm-hmm. and so i think we're in a time where it's really hard to know who to listen to and who to trust. Mm-hmm. And I think what becomes real, makes that even worse is we, if someone says the thing that we're kind of predisposed to want to agree with, we just trust that person mm-hmm. because, well, it's, I yeah. already agree with that. So they must be good. Or, uh, as long as they're against the right people oh, yeah, or yeah, the yeah. right thing, then yeah. I can be for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we, we can be, a, we can be against the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, even if we're not necessarily pro all the same things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and just these are extreme examples uh, that we might laugh at, but it makes the point as well. It's like we have people right now who don't believe we went to the moon. Oh, no. We have people no, who, who, don't, who don't believe the world is flat, that people are lying to us, or the world is round. They think it's flat, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. Really believe it. And so, so it's like this distrust can erode everything yep. and uh, leave us at a place of extremism in every direction and and indiv- hyper individualism i mm. think which is a, and my I, truth yeah yeah and so it's like i <laughs> you know that you talk to a flat earther and they're like well how do you know the earth's round it's like because of the they told you it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah because they're the ones who've seen it from the outside you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. it's like you've yeah. only been here yeah uh, and so it's i think a lot a lot of it the anti-institutionalism is birthed from this Hyper individualism, where it's like mm-hmm. I get to determine mm-hmm. what's right or wrong. I get to determine what's real or what's yeah. false. And so, how does that that whole we could have a whole forty minute conversation about that uh, influence how we think about Christian leadership and how we yeah. um, obey and also perform Christian leadership? Well, Christian leadership should be a, a stark contrast to the world's leadership. Um, we should lead in a way that people 
um, trust us because we've earned credibility. Um, we've modeled things mm-hmm. and we've lived in a way and spoken in a way that it's like, even if people disagree with us, uh, I would think that they would look and at least respect and want to listen and want to engage. And um, because we've, you know, we were talking about this last night. I don't even remember what the topic was, but we're talking about something you said, you know, that doesn't get clicks. And so like we live <laughs> yeah. in a world right now. It's where the, the, the things that blow up or the things you see are the, are always negative because that's what gets people to click on the ad and gets mm-hmm. ad revenue and it's all about money. And, and so <clears throat> are we speaking and talking in a way of always about the next controversy, the next crisis, the next, because that's the way, if you want to blow up as a, as a preacher or as a, mm-hmm. even a, a leader, it's like, you do the things that's going to get people riled up and mad mm-hmm. or scared. Mm-hmm. And so what if we're instead leading in, in every area of our life, work, home, what if we're leading in a way that isn't uh, hyper extreme and, and all these things, but is patient, mm-hmm. endures, mm-hmm. is long suffering, is kind, is gentle, is patient, is speaks the truth and love. And mm-hmm. um, those things I think are going to be, contrast and you're like this there's something different about this person yeah my this boss is a different kind of boss than i've ever worked for mm-hmm. what's what's the deal yeah i think maybe you lose the you may lose the battle right yeah but i think you win the war right because mm-hmm. that's that's leadership christ-like leadership christian leadership mm-hmm. is 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 um time proven over a long period of of you know almost said time proven over a long period of time. That doesn't mean the same thing. It's time proven, right? It's, it lasts. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, whereas these, you know, the, you know, whatever controversy or whatever negative thing you want to, or whatever, um, you know, thing at your job, right. That you want to blow up at or whatever. Those are, those are short. Those are not going to last a long time, but one of the markers I think of Christian leadership is that it's it's long lasting. Mm -hmm. It's enduring, Mm -hmm. which I think we're going to talk about a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, it's easier for someone to listen to start listening to something about leadership and check out and say, well, that doesn't apply to yeah, me. I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think back in my life and there was a time where I thought the same was true of me. I'm, I'm 15 years old, 14 years old, something like that. And I started going back to church and I was always a kid. I was never a shy kid, right? I'm never an what? <laughs> shocking. I know I was never introverted or anything like that, but I never saw myself as a leader. I was, mm-hmm. I was very much a follower. Um, but I was a hyper, let's go get it follower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one, uh, one of my youth leaders, uh, and asked me to come pick tobacco with him, uh, for $10 an hour, a hilarious request from a youth pastor. <laughs> He's a farmer. And, uh, and so he paid me $10 an hour to go pick some tobacco. Uh, that's how we say it. Some tobacco. Some tobacco. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I did. And, and, and while we're picking, we're talking and he says to me, Brent, you don't realize this, but you're a leader. And I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I'm saying no, I'm not because, you know, every mm-hmm. time I would try to do something, run for some council at school or, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't make it. Yeah. Because like, yeah. I wasn't popular. I wasn't cool. No, no one appeared what? to be looking at me. I was wearing Christian T-shirts. Everybody's making fun of me. Um, but he's like, no, people watch you and they look at you and they follow you and they mimic you. And they all these things. You have this great influence. You don't realize it. And it was just incredible, powerful moment in my life where I realized, oh, leadership looks different than being in an official position Mm -hmm. Uh, and getting that's Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes those are popularity contests. Uh, Leadership is marked by people want to be like you. Yeah. At its most basic level. And so that really changed my life to begin to think about leadership, model leadership, try to be a leader. It's funny. We we just had a similar conversation with a student in, in youth who, you know, I mean, I watched it happen in real time. Oh, yeah? Where uh, he, he, this student's in high school, and there were some junior high boys kind of sitting around him, and uh, I was teaching, and the, the junior high boys were, like, engaged, and they were, like, reading, reading the scripture, and they were, you know, annotating their scripture, and they look over, and they see this high school boy's kind of like, he's kind of finished. So he started doodling on his page. Uh, and so immediately these junior high boys, they're like, oh. And they start doodling on their page. <laughs> and it's like that. I had to tell that story. I was like, man, I literally watched kids turn and look at you and then start doing the thing you mm-hmm. were doing in that moment. Yep. And, and this kid would not say, would probably not say like, oh, I'm a leader. I'm, people are watching me. And yeah. it's like, but you just don't know oh, yeah. the influence that you have. And yeah. so you think about your workplace. You think about your home. You think mm-hmm. about the classroom, the sports team, the whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. you may not be the coach. 
you may not even be the first string. Mm-hmm. It's like, but there's probably someone that's watching you mm-hmm. for some sort of, of imitation, uh, aspiration, or, or even just like, does this make me fit in? Mm-hmm. Does this make me mm-hmm. go with the flow? Does this make me? So it's like, you may not, they may not even be saying, man, I want to be just like you. But they may be saying, oh, that guy looks like he's got together. If I kind of act like him, maybe I'll kind of fly under the radar. You know, maybe no one will. Yeah, and, and it's all subconscious, right? Sometimes when yeah, we just watch yeah. people and. Well, that's culture, we, right? It's, yeah. We want to become like them and yeah. we don't even realize it. Yeah. It's like, it's why when me, so this is, this is happens to both of us, I think. If we talk to our friend Brady for too long, we start talking like him. <laughs> oh, yeah. And our wives and have our to be, like, be like, you've been talking to Brady? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, They're like, why do you know that? We subconsciously become like the people we're around. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so we need a lead. And so like when you tried to do the Scottish accent to the guy at the conference. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so we were at a conference. Did we talk about this last week? I don't know if we talked about it. But I can't we were at the conference and the Scot- this, this guy Scottish guy is talking to Brent about and, books. And he's like, hello, if, if you, if you, uh, if you sign up for this thing here, you you'll get this free ebook for a year, and he's talking to me like that. I'm like, are you is are you for real? Are you serious? You know, I was like, sorry, man, just slid <laughs> into it. I couldn't help it. I love it. That's hilarious. Um, and so, so yeah. So the the big point here is like, man, you are a leader, and that might look official, mm-hmm. like you're a boss, you're a, a leader at work, you're, a dad, your mom, your dad. You you know yep. you have a position. Uh, but it may just be that you, among your friend group, like your example matters and you're mm-hmm. leading there, whether it's official or not. Yeah. And, and so the point there is too, is that we're not talking about leading in Christian spaces. Yeah. Oh, this is super important. Yeah. We're talking about Christians leading in all spaces. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, oh, you're a leader, you're a Sunday school teacher, you're a pastor, you're a deacon. You're, we're, you're a ministry like, leader. We're not, that's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about Christians who are leading in every sphere or space in life. Mm-hmm. So yep. this applies to everybody. Yep. Um, so let's, uh, you know, let's dive into those, those five kind of signposts, those five markers you, you gave us for Christian leadership uh, and kind of, kind of unpack those. Uh, so first is like, this one seems, this is kind of an umbrella category, but it's like yeah. Christian leadership is done in service to Christ. Christian leadership yeah. serves Christ. And, and, and here I really, uh, a lot of these have overlap. Oh, these of course. Points. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, there's two kind of things that jump out to me in this point. One is you're serving Christ. The other is you're serving. You're a servant. Mm. You know, Paul yep. in Corinth, as everybody's fighting over their leaderships, uh, over who's the best leader, Paul's like, guys, regard us as mere servants. Yeah. Like, that's all we are. We're like, servants. There's no leaders. There's actually no leaders to fight over. <laughs> yeah. And we're just trying to serve Christ. And so yeah. um, instead of thinking, oh, this guy's the best preacher or this guy or whatever, or whatever area in life, you know, it's like, no guys, we're just, don't think of us too highly. And so that's why I tried to use that illustration about the groom. It's like, if people notice the, or the, the best man, if people notice the best man and not the groom, or people notice the bridesmaid and not the bride, they fail their job. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, our job is to make much of Jesus, highlight Jesus, um, give him credit. Uh, and if people are looking at us and missing Christ, then they've then we failed. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, it's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm just a servant of Christ. On the other hand, it's no, we need to serve and leadership is modeled by servants. Uh, we're not masters. We're not, mm-hmm. even if we're a CEO, man, like we don't, we shouldn't be on power trips. We should be humbling ourselves and, and serving and taking care of people. Yeah. Um, it's like, I wanted to read at the beginning of the service. I wanted to read the story of, of Jesus washing the disciples feet. Yeah. And it was just like, way too long, yeah. but, um, it's like, but that's the, per- I mean, the perfect, Oh yeah. The, a perfect illustration, right? It's like, that's Jesus's entire ministry summed up in one act. Mm-hmm. Um, and he humbles himself to wash the dirtiest part of a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, uh, and, and then he tells them, right. A servant is not greater than his master. Right. And says that it's essentially saying like, you guys are going to have to do this very thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to become low just as I have become low. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when we're talking about serving Christ, just like out in the world, I really think about two categories, two kind of broad categories that I think are helpful because sometimes we think, oh, if I'm serving Christ at work, that means I need to be doing evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It does mean that, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. only mean that. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I think of these two categories, you're serving Christ, one for the sake of human flourishing and the other for the sake of gospel expansion. Mm-hmm. And so in Genesis two, we have the first command in the Bible where God commands us to be fruitful, multiply and take dominion. Mm-hmm. And so you have, so take dominion, cultivate, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you take this garden that, you know, you got weeds growing or it's getting overgrown. It's like, you need to bring order from chaos, bring mm-hmm. beauty from overgrowth. And so, uh, they're commanded to do that. And that command still exists today and will exist forever. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are resurrected in a new creation, we still have this command to continue to take dominion and cultivate the world. Yeah. And so when you are uh, a lawyer, you are bringing justice to a world of injustice. When mm-hmm. you are a nurse, you are bringing uh, healing uh, to a broken world of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you are a plumber, you are bringing organization uh, and mm-hmm. health and mm-hmm. uh, all these things to, to a world that could just have feces everywhere, you know, uh, or you're bringing water to people who, yeah, yeah. so they can drink. And so it's like, whatever you're doing, it's, it's, it's art, it's beauty, it's cultivating, mm-hmm. it's building. And like, that's a part of the command of God. And so don't see your work or even your gardening at home or you're making your home be or anything like that. Like that, that is leadership in the sense that you're serving Christ by completing that first command to go build a beautiful world. Yeah. And I think it's in 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 this really deep way, this really like un kind of fathomable way. It's like you know, and uh, you know, the the earth was formless and without or was was it was without form, right? Yeah. And God brings order mm-hmm. to all this chaos, and so it's like when you are, uh, you know, even just cleaning your home, right? You know, you're oh, you're yeah. you're at your home cleaning, or you're doing finances, right? It's mm-hmm. like you're bringing order mm-hmm. from something that has the that is k that could be chaotic mm-hmm. right if you're managing a budget right and it's just everyone's just spending money wherever they want it's like that's chaos yeah yeah it's like so when you are are, are balancing a budget or you know doing whatever financial people do it's like you're bringing <laughs> order to to something yeah. chaotic yeah, and yeah. so um i think there's there's something deeply uh seated in the imago day of of humans that all of our jobs all of our callings look like this, yeah. right? They, they, they image Christ they, or they image, you know, God as, as the creator. Yeah. And it's what Tolkien talked about, the author of Lord of the Rings, who said, we're sub creators. Mm-hmm. We don't create ex nihilo out of nothing like God does. But when we, when a plumber creates a system of pipes by which, uh, bring water to a family as well as get rid of bad stuff, uh, he is creating in the image of God and there's something immensely satisfying mm-hmm. in that. And so as servants of Christ, we should be doing that on the one yeah. hand. On the other hand, he says we're stewards of the gospel, mm-hmm. of the stewards of the mysteries of God. Yeah. Right? And so the gospel. Like, yeah. Yeah. Shorthand. The gospel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so wherever you are, whether you're in your home, you're amongst your friends, at your work, whatever, it's like you have an opportunity and a, a platform by which you should be sharing the gospel. And so... That's not really an optional thing. Like you should. So it's uh, oh, servants of Christ. We should be doing both of those things mm-hmm. in all of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about you know stewardship. You know, we did a sermon on stewardship. You know, just not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and then, but now you say that it's actually leadership. Christian leadership is an act of, of stewardship. So what? Unpack yeah. That a you, bit. When when you think about leadership, you think you know, leadership can be several things. It can be position. Mm-hmm. It can be gifting. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be authority. And so, you know, if you're just among your friend groups, influence, that's the yeah, influence. Yeah. If you're just among your friends, it's influence. If mm-hmm. you're the boss, it's position and it's authority. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in a, if you're starting a business and you're the only one there, like it's, it's your ability, it's your gifting. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, whatever the case may be, yeah, these are things God has entrusted to you. If you, if you're the CEO, that position has been entrusted to you. Yeah. If you have the giftings of leadership and you're even just the, the team lead, you know, you're eighth on the rung down in the organization, you're still leading people mm-hmm. and that gift of leadership is a stewardship issue. And so how you use that position, how you use that gift, how you use that influence is stewarding, but then God gave you. And so you need to be effective. Mm-hmm. You need to be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You need to, to be strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, like you should be the best leader possible um, in your company and for the sake of the company, in your home, for the sake of your home, yep. amongst your friends, for the sake of your friends, whatever the case may be. Because God's going to ask us one day, what did you do with the things I gave you? Mm-hmm. I gave you this position. What did you do with it? Did you use it for good? Did you leverage it for good? Did you lead well? Did you multiply? Mm-hmm. Uh, or did you squander it? Yeah. 
So I, it, any t- any any discussion of stewardship for me always comes back to Spider Man. Okay, <laughs> um, because you know that's ultimately stewardship is what Uncle Ben is telling oh, Peter yeah. is that he says, "Hey, with great power mm-hmm. comes great responsibility." Yeah, and uh, that's stewardship, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same. It's like. Uh, Uncle Ben Parker is telling Peter Parker, you've been given something. Yeah. Well, he doesn't really know, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Let's, you know, he's saying you've been given a gift. Yeah. Now you have a responsibility to use that gift. Yeah. For, for others benefit. Yeah. And so it's this, that's the same thing, right? When God gives us talents, when he gives us uh, finances, when he gives us businesses, when he gives us influence, when he gives us position, when he gives us authority, he's saying, Hey, with great power, comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so just like steward, you're, you have the, re, you have the responsibility, the duty, mm-hmm. you are honor bound. Wait, it's like, if you are in the position or have the power to do something good or to avert something bad mm-hmm. and you fail to do so, you've not stewarded the position mm-hmm. or the power that you've been given well. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we should do that as Christian, yeah. Christian leaders. We should recognize that those things are gifts from God and use them well. Yeah. And then you go on, uh, you know, Christian leaderships know who they work for or to be a little more grammatically correct. I know. Know for <laughs> whom they work. Oh, for whom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, the, the one line in this entire chapter that really stuck out to me mm-hmm. more than anything else is this line that says, uh, not to go beyond what is written. Mm. Uh, Paul, yeah. Paul says, me and Apollos have modeled this for you to show you that you don't go beyond what is written, right? And so... <laughs> yeah. Um, that I don't know why it's just like those words on the page really just were almost like bold to me, um, and it's just like guys, we've been given the instruction manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been uh, we know who our boss is, and uh, he's told us what to do, and so stop trying to reinvent it. Yeah, stop yeah. trying to twist it, make it better, whatever. It's like make it easier. Make it do what he says. Like, yeah. Life would be so much easier if we just do what God says. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our opinions don't matter. What the Lord says matters. And so we yeah. need to follow that. Um, and so that really jumps out to me. Um, well, I, I also th- I think kind of under that, you know, you have work heartily as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's like that verse is like, it's almost like work heartily because it is unto the Lord, right? No, yeah. no matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like you're not, even if your boss sucks, Right, yeah. like, and yeah. is a terrible person, and is a uh, is hard on you, and harsh, and disrespectful, mm-hmm. and it's like that that person is not your boss, right? Right. I mean, they are, yeah, but because God has made them, they're their the boss. boss. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like I tell students this with teachers all the time. Right? It's like they have teachers that are hard on them, that are yeah. can be mean, uh, mm-hmm. disrespectful to them, right? Not mm-hmm. value them. And I say, look, I understand that's hard, but you're not you're not doing your schoolwork for your teacher. Mm. You're doing your schoolwork for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so in encouraging them, it's like, it doesn't actually matter, um, mm-hmm. the, the earthly authority. It's like, because your, your yeah. work is, is to, uh, uh, a transcendent authority, a, a spiritual authority. And so when some authority, some boss, teacher, whoever asks you to do something that is clearly not opinionatedly, but clearly against the scriptures or unethical, mm-hmm. You follow your ultimate boss. You follow yep. Jesus, right? You yep. say, nope, I can't do that. Even if it costs you your job yeah. or promotion or whatever. Yep. Um, well, I th- and I think the harder one on that is, I think sometimes because we have this you know, anti-authoritarian, I think that's easy sometimes to be like, well, that's unethical. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but sometimes I think it's when you're, uh, you know, your friend group, mm-hmm. when the people that have influence over your life, when they're saying, hey, it's okay to do this immoral thing. Yeah. When they're excusing this unethical behavior, right. uh, you have to say, "I'm not going to do it," mm-hmm. and and not even I'm not going to I'm not going to take I'm not going to take part. But you have to say, "I'm going to speak against yeah. this unethical behavior." And I think yeah. so many times we can get caught up in the wave. And it's going to cost you something. Yeah, and so you got to be we got to be willing to pay the cost. Yeah, um, I think that's good. The other thing I think that this idea that our ultimate boss is Jesus uh, really helps is criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul kind of yep. addresses this here and he says, uh, or just this idea that like, look, people are going to, going to judge us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul's <laughs> like, I don't even judge myself. He's like, cause, yeah. because ultimately the, it, the Lord's going to judge us. Mm-hmm. And so how do we deal when, whether it's fellow employees or friends or whatever, are just being super critical of us. Mm-hmm. Well, on the one hand, it's like, well, we should listen. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe we're missing something. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've approached me wrong about it or whatever, but we need to hear what they're saying. Don't just reject it out of hand, but mm-hmm. you don't like me. And say, only God can judge me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, and they're crazy. So it's like, listen, uh, and then weigh what they're saying against the truth. Maybe mm-hmm. ask other people, hey, this person said I'm doing this wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about this? And you know, yeah. get some other feedback. Um, weigh it. But then either chase, realize they were right and change or realize they're wrong and your boss is the Lord and God is going to be the ultimate one to judge you. When, and when you know God is going to be the one that judges you, it makes you say, hey, you know what? He knows everything. I'm not getting away with anything. Yeah. And so I actually got to do this well. Um, but it, it, I think it helps us deal with criticism because it's no longer those people I'm trying to please. Mm-hmm. And if I need to make a decision that goes against the grain and it's gonna, mm-hmm. people are going to be upset with me. I know I can do it because I'm pleasing the audience of one who I'm actually working for. Mm-hmm. And it may be frustrating. It may be hard to hear those criticisms, but ultimately I know that God is going to be happy with me. And so I can do it. Yeah. And I, I might be a little bit out of, out of, out of step here. So, so let me know, but it's also like what, what God is not going to judge you on, right? When Paul is talking about, you know, being judged by the Lord, he's not going to judge like, were you good at your job? Like, were you, were you, uh, were you an effect, were you an effective, uh, banker mm-hmm. or were you an effective lawyer? Right. That's not what he's judging. Like he's judging you as a, almost a holistic person. Right. And what, and what Paul is saying is that he's, he's resting in God's judgment because he knows the righteousness of Christ has already been applied to him. Yeah. And so he's like, I don't have to, my identity before the Lord is secure. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I've been, I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I don't, I don't actually have to worry about what some Joe Schmo is thinking of me at work mm-hmm. because I know that I'm a redeemed co-heir with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and when, when I go before the Lord, I may have been terrible at my job on earth. Mm-hmm. And what, what he's going to tell me is well done, good and faithful servant, yeah, because yeah. I am bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, for sure. And so it's like, we can rest and be secure and long to be good at the things that mm-hmm. we're called to mm-hmm. because we've been, we've been redeemed. Yeah. And so it's like, it's a question of identity. It's like your identity is not like, I think that's what is really hard when it comes to specifically criticism is that when we take criticism really hard, Mm. it's because the the thing that we think we're being criticized about is our, is who we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's like, so, so, so it it, goes to the core of who I am and I crumble because this person has, uh, has like removed what, Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling is me. Yeah. And, if that's not me, who am I? Mm-hmm. If I'm not the smartest person in the room or if I'm not the most talented in the room, mm-hmm. whatever, because they say I'm not, it's an identity crisis. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so then it's like, but if someone comes up and says, hey, you know, you, you did this poorly or you did this wrong and, and your your primary identity is that of, of adopted child of God, yep. then then you're going to be like, oh, okay. Like, it's like, it just, it just doesn't, like, it just doesn't matter. Right. Like, yeah, that's a good point because when you're secure in Christ and someone brings a criticism to you, you can actually hear it. You can go, huh, let me evaluate that. Let me think about that. And you can then objectively be like, oh yeah, that's good. Or not, no, that's wrong, bro. Yeah. Um, But it's not, you don't don't get defensive and your wall go up. It doesn't cost you anything to say. I did this poorly or I did this wrong, yeah. right? Like the gospel just radically changes how we evaluate mm, ourselves. For sure. Um, and, and, ju- and that's why Paul said, I don't even judge myself. It's like, cause it doesn't it, like, it ultimately doesn't change how God views me. Right. And so when we can rest and be secure in that, yeah, no, then, then it makes our, our, it makes actually makes us more free as leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people could potentially read this like, well, God's going to judge me and actually feel like super constraining. Mm-hmm. It's like really scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when, in reality, it's like, no, it's like, this frees you because you, you can rest. You Absolutely. can be secure. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, so then we got Christian. Christian leadership <laughs> is Christ-like. Yeah. Our leadership should be modeling Jesus. Uh, yeah. I'll use three, three kind of quick examples from the text. It should be based off humility. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus has every reason to not be humble. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> yeah. Washing feet. We talked about that. Uh, but in the verse, he says, you know, what do you have that you did not receive? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is like, you're, you're acting arrogant, you're boasting, you're prideful, yeah. but it's like all the things you have have been given to you, bro. <laughs> every suck of air you take down. Yeah. And every gift. piece of talent, ability, yep. thinking process, ability, yep. whatever. It's like, like your heart give- is only beating. 
because yeah. Christ allows it. Yeah, like you got nothing to be proud about, bro. Yeah. And yeah. so be humble. Uh, and like, nothing worse is than having a boss who is on a power trip because his identity is wrapped up in being his bo- mm-hmm. being a boss, and so mm-hmm. he just fits power trip. Rather, so Christian leaders instead, particularly those in high positions, should be marked by incredible humility and service yeah. and lowliness. And think about what that does. We talked about at the beginning, distrust your leadership. Think about what it does when an employee or a friend, whoever, looks at you and you have every reason or or every opportunity to be this power-tripping, power egotistical leader. And yet, you're down on the floor helping mop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet, you're listening to the complaints and criticisms of, of, of the seemingly peons. Pion, mm-hmm. What is that word? Peon. Peons. Way below you. You know, the CEO's down here listening mm-hmm. to that, to the mm-hmm. uh, teenage hourly worker. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, when people see that, they're like, what is happening? Yeah. Why would they do that? Um, and so, humility just, man, it's, uh, as a leadership, you know, no leadership book that's not particularly Christian is going to come out and say, hey, humility is this great thing. Yeah, yeah. But it actually radically changes, mm-hmm. I think. Because uh, I was talking to a guy about this the other day. When you treat your employees like the cogs in your machine to accomplish your thing and that's all they're good for mm-hmm. they will be lazy they'll work the minimum they have to mm-hmm. uh they'll never have your back and when yep. a better opportunity comes along they'll go get it yep but when you treat your employees as valuable as and you listen to them and you care for them and you go above and beyond for them and you get on their level mm-hmm. then they'll work hard they'll work extra mm-hmm. they'll go to bat for you and when that better opportunity comes along they might say you know what i'll take less money because i won't work for this guy mm-hmm for sure. And so be humble. For sure. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, I, I heard this story when I was like, I, I mean, probably 12 Okay, in youth group. And it's like it has stuck with me uh, for years. So we had this like this like guest preacher speaker at, at my church. Uh, and was he, it me? It was not you. Okay. Uh, I, I, was, did that I was church. I was older than 12 when uh, you came. But uh, oh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, it was not you. Uh, sorry, I can't, I can't attribute this, this, <laughs> this illustration to you, but this guy said, you know, he was guest preaching at this, some church and that they had this little kind of like green room dressing room for him and it had a bathroom in it and the bathroom was disgusting. He said, it's like, he didn't think anyone had been in there in 20 years. So there was just like stuff on the floor, stuff in the sink, stuff on the bathroom, like on the toilet. And yeah. he was just like, it was disgusting in there. And he said, and I was like, I was like grossed out. I was, I was, I was frustrated. I was like, aren't they going to, you know, it's like, I'm the guest, you know, aren't Uh, they going to, aren't they going to honor the guest? And then he, he thought about, he was, he thought about Jesus washing his disciples feet. And he said, man, don't you think Jesus probably thought these dudes are going to make me wash their feet, stinky, (laughs) gross feet. And he said, and I got down on my hands and my knees and I cleaned that bathroom. Oh man. And I was like, that is stuck. That is stuck with me. Uh, to be like, this dude is the honored guest of the church. Yeah. And and where he, I mean, justifiably, mm-hmm. rightly could have been upset and angry and frustrated and yep. um, uh, felt slighted. He instead chose the mm-hmm. better way yep. and said, I'm going to serve. Yeah. You know, that happens so often where some problem happens. Mm-hmm. And people have one of two reactions. They either see the problem and they go find somebody, point out, hey, look at that problem over there. Somebody should do something about that problem over there. Or they go and handle it. Yeah. And I or whoever's in charge never knew the problem ever happened. Yeah. Because they just handled it. And I think that's... Honest, that's leadership. Yeah, that's a true mark of, of Christian leadership right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they say, I, I'm going to do the thing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Frodo. <laughs> I will take the ring to Mordor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by myself. I, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so so we gotta have humility. We also gotta respond with grace. You mm-hmm. know, there's this great little when people don't <laughs> when people don't uh, when they bring choose the, to 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 be to humble. do the thing and to come and they point out the the look the at thing. that thing over there. Look yeah. at that. Then that leads us into it's like a flow chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now as the leader, you got yeah. to respond with grace. You know, uh, there's a great little passage there at the end, you know, when, because what, when reviled, we bless. Mm-hmm. And he kind of keeps going on with that. But you think about how Jesus responded, right? Father, forgive them for they know not what mm-hmm. they do. Oh, They're yeah. beating him to death. Father, mm-hmm. forgive them. Um, and every step of the way in his life, he's mm-hmm. responding with patience and grace and mm-hmm. humility. And so getting payback is easy. Snapping mm-hmm. at someone is easy. Um, ripping someone's head off. 
Uh, it's easy. Um, what's not easy, but what is a leader is to go to, to listen and be patient and go, okay, let's walk through this. Like, mm-hmm. um, man, I, you know, just to, to affirm them, to care for them. To, yeah. Um, that's hard because you're feeling attacked, you're feeling defensive. Mm-hmm. And instead you got to go, Hey man, you know what? This is God's people, not my people. Um, and I'm going to, they can attack me, but what does that matter? I don't even judge myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? and so. It's it's interesting. I'm kind of just ha- just thinking through this right now, but it's like Jesus was defensive of a lot of things. Um, like the temple, the sanctity yep. of the temple, the woman uh, caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was never defensive of himself. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's like he would go to bat for things. Mm-hmm. He would get defensive over things, mm-hmm. but not himself. Right. Like when people criticized him, he was not defensive because he knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just, like, just what well, you saying this about me doesn't affect me because I know who I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's just, that's just an interesting thought. It's like, there are things to be defensive of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yourself is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll preach. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, and finally, in this, it's like you have to endure suffering. Uh, and this whole kind of final paragraph, that's just kind of marked with th- this idea of suffering and, if we are, you know, I've heard it said before, like, if you don't lead, um, then, you know, everything will just kind of be status quo. But if you're actually leading, then, like, there's tension. There's problems arise because mm-hmm. you're leading through things and then, that you know, people don't want to change or, you know, like, it just kind of causes tension mm-hmm. when you're actually leading. And so if we actually lead, particularly in, particularly in like, our workplace, wherever, um, we're going to make a splash against the ways of the world, yeah. which is going to lead to, I'm going to say persecution light. You know, I hate using the word persecution because it's like you got people over in other parts of the world being killed mm-hmm. and jailed and tortured. Yeah. So persecution light where maybe you do that at work and you, you, your boss says, I want you to do this thing. And you said, mm-hmm. no, I can't do that. And so now you get passed up for yeah. promotion. We talk fired. about in, in youth group, we talk about social capital. Okay. It's like you don't you don't get beat up, you don't get uh you don't get tortured, you don't get arrested. But there is social capital in what you've lost, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you've lost status. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, that's that's for sure. Uh, and are we willing to give up all of our social capital hmm. for our our Christian convictions, yeah. right? For for the, the glory of, of God's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For anyone. The the hope the hope would be that the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> uh intellectually the the when when it comes to when the actually the doing that, that's super hard for all of us. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the other thing, man, that uh, just about enduring suffering is, and it's just, I, I just keep seeing it. It's crazy. Is that when when God calls us to do something, like you know, like it's mm-hmm. like God has actually mm-hmm. placed an opportunity before us. We've accepted the call. Uh, the the enemy attacks, and you know I've seen this and and deacons we've raised up and elders we've raised up i've seen it i've used examples this in the past couple months two families that have adopted or become foster parents like all of a sudden they start getting sick all of a sudden everything in their house starts breaking like all all of these things these kind of normal things begin to happen and it's like just this kind of clear spiritual attack of the enemy doesn't want you to do the thing god wants you to do and so we have to endure that suffering for the sake of being faithful to what god has called us to do and actually do it yeah, well, let, let me let me ask you something, um, uh, not to put you on the spot, but so you, you talk about, you know, uh, when you accept the call in obedience, the enemy attacks, but then you use that Tozer quote that says, mm-hmm. it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not until the devil has hurt him deeply. It's the Lord which has done it. Well, so... That becomes to a question of like, who's actually holding the, the instrument. Yeah, yeah. So I think of Job. Yeah. Who hurt Job? Well, yeah. the devil did it. Yeah. God who, allowed it. Who, who crucified Who crucified Jesus? Yeah, right? yeah. Pilate, the Romans, the Jews, yeah. God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit of both and. Yeah, It may yeah. not be. So, so God, I mean, nothing happens outside of God allowing right, right. it to happen. No, no, of course. And even planning it. But some, but even in God's plans, he uses evil men to accomplish the things he wants to do. Yeah. And so is God the one that's actually conjuring up the sickness to put it in the person? I would say no. But he has certainly used the devil or the enemy or mm-hmm. germs to yeah, yeah. bring about the thing that he's wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because, as James says, 
we need to, you know, persecution makes us into, you know, that yeah, whole yeah, list yeah. of like suffering causes, I can't all joy my brothers when I suffer mm-hmm. because it's producing in me endurance and patience and all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was my only, that was kind of my only, my only question about that. It's like, does, does, um, it's, is it that the, the enemy can sense this Christian leadership and then start going after, like, is there like an aura or something? Like, <laughs> I, like obviously like the technicalities of it doesn't work, Yeah. but, or is it that those who are called to, to lead and those who are called to hire, you know, mm-hmm. leadership, God allows more suffering in their life, more hardship in, in seasons to produce greater fruit in the down the road. I almost want to make the argument that those are that's two sides of the same coin. Hmm. That they're both true at the same time. Hmm. Um like the devil is or not the devil necessarily, but the you know, demonic forces are seeking to stop you from being faithful to God. They don't want to see mm-hmm. you do, be obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, but while at the same time they're doing that, they're actually accomplishing God's plans because God is using that to cause greater faithfulness in you sure. by enduring the suffering. For sure. So, um, you know, cause you think, you know, it, when you, when you look back, you know, outcomes are, are, you know, if this thing didn't happen, we wouldn't have this outcome, mm-hmm. even though in the midst of it, we would have said this was the enemy attacking us. Mm-hmm. Now that we're here at the end, the outcome is obviously was obviously God at work. Yeah, you know, right. The, I think the best biblical example is Joseph, Joseph. And yeah. his brothers. Right, uh, they sell him Joseph into slavery, and at the it's end, a, in the moment that like Joseph is down in the bottom of that pit, yeah. he's probably thinking, "Man, the enemy is really attacking yeah, me right yeah, now." Yeah, yeah, and they say later, Joseph says, "What you intended for evil, God intended for good." Yeah, and so that's why I'm saying two sides of the same yeah. coin, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Uh, in that situation, it's people, not yeah, yeah. forces. But uh, one person can, or one thing can be meaning it for bad while mm-hmm. God is using it for good. Because mm-hmm. God uses all things for good. Yeah. All things work together for good, Romans 8, 20. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> short, short answer, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, and then lastly, and we, we've talked about this kind of at the top, but that Christian leadership uh, provides an example. Yeah. For me, it was so convicting. I thought about this, like, I think Saturday night, and I Dude. added this to my sermon, the WWJD thing. And it's like, but what if you changed the J to R? What would Ryan do? Or what would Brent do? Um, or whoever. Or you. what would L do? Listener. That's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what, if, you know, someone who particularly has just come to know Jesus and, and, mm-hmm. and doesn't know that much about the Bible. And they're like, well, since I don't know enough about the Bible to make the decision for myself, I'm just going to do what you do. Yeah. And if they do that, will they be found faithful? Yeah. And uh, that that's a huge weight. And that's on, that's not a weight that you have to decide to put on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, that's a weight that's already on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think about kids. You know, it's like, you know, you think about, uh, you know, at most, I would say most Christian parents, if not all Christian parents, want their children to be faithful and obedient followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the, the, to question yourself, it's like, if my kids were to act, think, and speak like me, would they be found as faithful? Would I be proud of them? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's, it's a really convicting question. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, uh, me and Darcy read this book and one of the quotes from the book was that, you know, you become your habits and your children become you. Mm. And so it's like, we have to, and I think it's just, I think it's just really like you become your habits Mm -hmm. and your followers become you. And so we have to think, you know, it's like, I, the people who are behind me, the people who are looking to me, my kids, my coworkers, my, my employees, you know, whoever it's like, they're going to become like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what are the things I'm actively choosing to do that are helping one me grow in faith and obedience, mm-hmm. but also then hopefully trickling down into them yeah. to, for them to grow in faith and obedience. Yeah. It's super convicting. So lead well. That's people. an amazing question. <laughs> I was like, I wrote that down and underlined it and <laughs> circled it and like, is that? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing question. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to end the sermon this way, and, I, and man, I got up to preach at eleven ten. Usually, mm-hmm. I get up at eleven. I was, I was rushing, uh, and so I made this point quickly. But you're rushing. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, you were rushing. Okay, I got with you. an ing. I got you. I got you. Uh, so I made this point quickly, but. Uh, and I wish I had more time to, to dive into it, but the example of Jesus is important um, for for how we know how to live, we want to model our lives after him. But if all you ask is what would Jesus do, 
and you never look at what did Jesus, what did Jesus do for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll miss the mark. You'll miss the point. And, and you might be a great leader. You might be a great mm-hmm. moral person, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll go to hell. Yeah. And so, uh, we get to ask the question as Christians, as people on the other side of the line mm-hmm. of conversion, we get to now ask, what would Jesus do? But if you're on the yeah. other side where you've not come to Christ and have your sins forgiven and been made righteous and all these things, then you're not really, you shouldn't be asking, what would Jesus do? You should mm-hmm. say, what did, what did Jesus do? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's the power of the gospel, the cross, the resurrection, the atonement of Christ, his work on our behalf that saves us, empowers mm-hmm. us, and changes us to be able to even get close to imitating his life. Yeah. So you gotta, we got to get our ducks in a row. Yeah. The, the salvific work of Jesus is not as a moral example. Right. Right. That's not the, like, he is a moral example. That does not have to do with what saved you. Right, right, right. Um, and so what, you know, what Christianity is not about is moral change. Yeah. Like, that happens. Mm-hmm. That's not what Jesus came. He didn't come to show us, you know, like, a moral example. He did. Mm-hmm. Wasn't his purpose. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's I think that's really important because there's a lot of people I know that would say, yeah, I'd, l- I'd like to live like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And those people are not saved. Yeah, yeah. Those people are not adopted into God's family. And, and some people go to church and look and say, yeah, you know, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm trying to, to be good. I'm trying to be humble. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do all those things. That's great. But if you're trying to do all that stuff and you've not found yourself, your identity in the blood, in the mm-hmm. cross, in the resurrection, in the work of Christ on your behalf as mm-hmm. a penal substitutionary atonement, mm-hmm. then it's all for naught. Yeah. So work first, example after. Yep. Christ's work, then Christ's example. Yep. I think it's great. Uh, Well, thanks for joining us this week for the recap. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can go to myfellowship.church. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.